you know, exercises are based on movement patterns, workouts are based on exercises, and periodized training plans are based on daily workouts. And so Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information, and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I'm your host, Hussein Jabat, and this is RIT Team Radio. Welcome to episode three of RIT Team Radio, where we're going to take a look at exercise testing and programming, choosing the right components for you. Now, this episode is going to be joined by none other than Ryan Provencher of Firefighter Peak Performance. Diving into a little bit of background of Ryan is that he's currently serving as an operations battalion chief in his fire department, as well as the founder of Firefighter Peak Performance and the executive fitness advisor for Crackle Magazine. A little bit of educational background, Brian has a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology and Exercise Science with a minor in Nutrition from Washington State University. He worked as a health fitness specialist before beginning his professional fire service career in 1996. He worked as a volunteer firefighter, firefighter EMT, firefighter paramedic, company officer, and training division chief health safety officer before promoting to his current position. He has served as a peer fitness trainer and health fitness coordinator in his department for more than 25 years and is grateful to combine his love for firefighting and physical fitness over a long and rewarding career. Ryan also recognizes that firefighters and first responders are athletes in service of their communities, and he believes people are the most important asset in public service agencies. He is deeply committed to improving firefighters' safety, performance, and quality of life through specific, comprehensive, and intentional fitness and wellness programs. I want to welcome Ryan Provencher of Firefighter Peak Performance. All right. First and foremost, Ryan, thank you so much for jumping on RIT Team Radio's podcast, where we're trying to bring the aspect of exercise science. We're trying to bring research, training methodology, uh, pretty much everything and anything that drives evidence-based decisions with uh, both programming and exercise testing. So I want to first lead with, uh, appreciate you jumping on here and sharing your experiences and how you apply those concepts to the fire service. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. So within this episode, we're wanting to start first, how from a programming perspective, because a lot of what we do, or at least where we try to get to is programming training, writing exercise prescriptions, training for the job or trying to improve fitness attributes for the profession. So I guess my first question is how do you, what is the process of analyzing what, what testing you do and, and what your exercise selection is going to be there? There's some sort of background information first. Yeah. And I think it really starts with looking at the target demographic. So we know that firefighters specifically are very unique in terms of our needs uh, around physical training. And even within our firefighting community, depending on the timing of your career and what your roles and responsibilities are, 
I believe it's important to do a deeper dive. So are we talking about candidates that are just going through a testing process and preparing for that? Are we talking about recruits in academy, incumbent firefighters? And then I personally have a whole new appreciation for firefighters in administration because I spent 10 years in administration and and I really feel like that's a, a whole other opportunity to do a needs assessment for folks that are working uh, on an admin assignment uh, to stay healthy and 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 all that. So uh, once we've identified the target demographic, then as you mentioned, we're really looking at the physical attributes that are necessary to support uh, performance and, and health uh, based on assignment. Uh, what, what energy systems are we really seeing used for firefighters based on what they're doing? Movement patterns, uh, in terms of the tasks that firefighters perform in the line of duty. And then I really think it's also critical to look at unique challenges for each of those groups, right? So in Recruit Academy, it, it you have to look at the total training load around the occupational training to properly program their physical training program versus incumbent firefighters where the total training load is much less, but the allostatic load in terms of sleep deprivation, mental, emotional trauma, uh, all of that is, is much higher. So if we're really being intentional about evaluating the needs and also the challenges for folks, depending on what they're being asked to do, it really sets us up to, to provide uh, great programming for them. Uh, man, so many, so many segments to that in itself, right? If we could pick apart different even components of uh, of those statements was first and foremost, we say the fire service, right? Fire and rescue. And uh, I like how you alluded to a needs analysis, looking at the job description, right? Whether they're a cadet or even when they transition into incumbent personnel, you also have to assess the individual agency. You have to, uh, are they on a specialty team or not, right? You're picking apart job description. It's not just this is the profession. This is the segment within that that profession. So I, I think it's an interesting aspect to a needs analysis. And then when you start programming, right? When you start weighing out what is the occupational training, are you trying to uh, are you trying to throw much uh, throw in so much physical training that you're overdoing it versus the occupational training, especially within the cadet and the academy setting. Um, and 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 how does that differ going into a, incumbent? So kind of dive in because you have a, some experience, right, with working within the academy setting. How do you approach that aspect? And, and we'll focus more on academy and then we'll look at incumbent and then kind of the differences between the two. So how do you approach those that are coming in that may be we pull in and and we think are already are already differing in attributes. What I mean what I mean by that is we're pulling in general population. We're pulling in people that might not have any form of sport or or fitness background and going, okay, now you're a tactical athlete. So now we need to throw everything and anything at you, which is not the case. We might be building people up from from ground zero and and trying to build upon that. So. Uh, I guess, kind of walk through your approach to working with cadets. Yeah, yeah, and and again, there's a lot, even for that segment, there's just so much to unpack there, right? So uh, it's funny when the recruits come in, we we meet with them right, right away, day one, you know, number one rule of academy is don't get hurt in academy. You know, if, if someone gets injured, 
they, they can't do the job that we're asking them to do. And it becomes very difficult to, to graduate if you lose any significant amount of time due to injury. That can't always be prevented, but we do believe with an intentional approach, not only to our physical training, but also to our occupational training, we can really help to reduce the risk of injury in academy. So that's the first thing. And then along those lines, we also explain to them that when you look at, you know, periodization or the, the sports world, and we talk about in-season versus off-season, we know that for tactical athletes, there is no real off-season, you know, you're, you're doing the job year-round and, and you just have to program around that. But for recruits, I believe that it is very similar to an in-season uh, uh, program where you're really scaling back a little bit around how you would program their physical training, what your goals are. And we even tell the recruits in, in terms of metering expectations, our goal for your physical training is not for you to have some sort of PR on any particular exercise performance metric. It's to certainly support progress in your physical training and your performance, um, but, but really it's to make sure that you're response ready in terms of what you're being asked to do in academy. So, uh, so then, okay, now let's, let's take a step back from that. How do we provide physical training each week that for one supports injury prevention, and then also for each candidate that comes in with such a different baseline fitness level, making sure that they are uh, optimized to make progress. So again, just unpacking, you know, the movement patterns that we see. So the, the exercises we be programmed into the physical training that mimics tasks that we'll expect them to perform on the fire ground. And then we coach them around that. And I can go down this whole rabbit hole about intentional training metrics and scoring metrics and these these tools that we use to help the recruits understand body positions, how they move their body, warning signs that injury may be looming. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot around that, but, but to keep it simple, just making sure that in their programming, they're being exposed to all these different movement patterns and they're being asked to evaluate their ability to, to move in a way that's healthy. And then the last thing that's important, because as you've said, the baseline fitness level can be so different. We have to make sure that all of these exercises are accessible and scalable to each recruit. And that could be simply loading it differently for each recruit, or it could be adjusting the complexity of the movement pattern so that each recruit has safe access to it. See, and, and I like multiple segments of that. The first one was I liked how it wasn't a let's do a, a boot camp style. Let's try and throw as much physical fitness overload, drift into overuse injury, and then whoever survives survives and and they're able to finish the academy. Right? It's it, it's intentional where we try to teach skills. As you mentioned, we try to make sure cadets are aware because as the practitioners, as the instructors. We're, we're aware of why it applies. We're aware of why we're programming. Hopefully, if you're an instructor, you're aware of why it applies, right? But but being that we are, we have to relay that to the cadet. This is why we're training a certain way. We're, we're coaching and, and an aspect of coaching is not just instruction, but educating. And, and it's being able to go, these are the movement patterns. And like you mentioned, you can progress it or regress it based on the abilities of, of that cadet. Um, but teaching movement. And so I want to, and, and we kind of talked about this the other day and, and we just kind of spiraled into a conversation which, which works great because it can be an ongoing conversation. 
but I liked how you used unique scoring metrics to teach movement. So I want you to kind of talk upon uh, more of that self-perception, self-perceived uh, quality of movement, if you would. Yeah. And so, you know, coming kind of coming back to firefighting tasks and really linking that to a specific movement pattern, right? So uh, one of my favorite movement patterns for firefighters is the lunge. And so whether they're stair climbing, uh, you know, hose deployment is technically probably locomotion, but there is that uh, alternating stepping pattern. And, and so we use the lunge a lot to teach recruits about body position in the lunge. You can, you can uh, vary and scale the lunge, whether it's just a basic split squat or you can make it more dynamic by stepping forward. You can challenge kinesthetic awareness by asking them to step backward into a lunge and you can add a plyometric element or dynamic element with a, a, a jump, a split squat jump. So um, there, with that one movement pattern and, and only using body weight, there's so many ways to create a, a different feel for the recruit or a different level of challenge. And then as we are teaching the lunge, just as an example, we, we introduce them to what we call a six point self-check, right? So it's, it's a really quick head to toe, you know, head position, torso position and core activation, hips and glute activation, you know, 90, 90 at the knees, you know, shoulders packed, hips and legs, shoulders and arms. And for each exercise, we get to teach them all about awareness and, in and intention in the gym. And so it, it's it's so funny, like, or if they're doing a kettlebell press, for example, and we're talking about shoulder pack or shoulder stability, and then we're on the drill ground and they're doing a beam raise with a ground ladder. It's that same overhead position. We're really asking them to keep that shoulder in a strong, stable position. And on the drill ground, all we have to say around what we're teaching them is, hey, shoulder pack or, you, you know, straight back or just whatever cue We've already taught them in the gym, if we make an observation about maybe a position that could be improved on the drill ground, it just takes a simple phrase and you just see that recruit, bang, they accept, access that immediately. So we get to do that over and over again every day in our physical training, and we really see the benefits of that on the drill ground. Yeah, I mean, cueing in itself, and it takes as the instructor, and, and we could go down a rabbit hole of talking about qualifications for being the instructor, but for the sake of this conversation, right? As an instructor teaching cueing, and like you said, being able to pack the shoulder, being able to utilize those cues, not only just in the gym, because the gym should have a purpose. And, and when when you mentioned gym, and for those that listening, when we say gym, it doesn't mean just in a weight room. It's anytime you're doing resistance training. It's anytime you're doing something that's not uh, specifically job task focus is building components to that. And we're teaching cues. So when you are doing job tasks, when you are at the drill field when you're performing those tasks, you can replicate those cues and it connects and yeah. it takes. And, and I can only imagine you probably have, you have certain cues, right? Usually stick to, but you probably have 5,000 ways of explaining it yeah. because it clicks yeah. for different people. Sure. For sure. And, and that's where the repetitions come in. You know, it's, it's not just a day of, uh, you know, we do have a, and I'm grateful for our department, we spend really two full days in terms of our health and wellness and fitness orientation for our recruits. And it's really the foundation of our whole academy and hopefully setting a tone for, for careers for folks that are coming in. But, and it's, it's not only, uh, you know, giving, you know, that whole, do, do you give a fish or you, do you teach someone how to fish? It's, we, we introduce all of these concepts, but then we have the program set up. So they're constantly 
thinking for themselves about their own uh, performance, their own movement over and over and over again. So that by the, by the end of Academy, it, it ends up being 16 weeks, if not 24 weeks, if we do our EMT class as well, uh, they're very well versed in, in all of the, the, the language, the cues, the semantics around all of it. And they've taken ownership of it for themselves personally in a way that we really hope sticks with them. Yeah, I love it. And I like the I like the phrase where you're not just handing them the fish, right? You're teaching them how to fish because what's the purpose of academy, right? It's not just the occupational tasks they're going to do throughout their career. And they're going to fine tune those and develop them within the agency that they're going to operate with. But within the academy, we're, we're giving them tools and resources. Why aren't we doing that from a fitness and wellness perspective? And um, some some insight from from my side. See, I haven't gone the approach of uh, self perceived scoring as you have from a, a movement base, which I love that aspect. And honestly, I, I might utilize it a little bit because it is amazing to be able to teach that and them score their quality of movement. Um, but then also one one thing I've been able to tie in, and I've actually started implementing this current academy class that I'm working with of doing self perceived recovery and self perceived exertion. And the self-perceived recovery, I also tie an attitude, um, uh, 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 I guess, one question on attitude where when they wake up, they complete this. And the first question is, how do you feel from, from an attitude perspective? And I even have a smiley face, a frowny face, one that is like a tired with Z's beside it, then one that's like an angry face. And so being able to assess when you wake up, like mentally, how are you feeling? Are you ready to take on the day or you're just upset and everything and anything is going to get it at least be an obstacle during the day. Uh, But then assess your your recovery. Do you wake up and feel energized? Do you feel like you can attack the day? Granted, that might take five, 10, you know, 15 minutes into opening your eyes to to really understand if if you're ready or not, but assessing your soreness. And like you mentioned with the, the scoring and the metrics, it's a teaching tool. So my goal is, and just as yours is, giving those skills of assessing how do you feel and how are you going to approach that day or how are you going to uh, attack the training session that day Uh, because the occupational tasks, the curriculum in the academy, and then when you're an incumbent and and you go to calls, you go to emergencies, you can't regulate that. That's going to happen. But your training sessions, your physical activity, you can regulate. So if we teach those metrics, if we teach quality of movement, if we teach recovery and we teach attitude and, and, and being able to self-perceive where you're at on those scales, you're teaching, you're teaching tools, you're teaching skills where later on, when they don't have the person standing beside them going, hey, you're doing this many reps and this many sets. And no, that's the you need to regress that movement or progress it. They're not going to always have someone standing right beside them telling them exactly what to do. So we're we're giving them tools, we're giving them resources. And and, and I like approaching it that way. And, and it's amazing for you to be able to teach movement. If you can teach movement, you can add load later. So teaching quality of movement first goes a long way with preparedness once you're actually evolved graduate the academy and then start operating within your agency. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love everything you're saying about uh, that self-perception and having that dialogue around how the recruit feels. And, uh, you know, for us, every Monday morning, we do a a quick evaluation with the recruits and that's all about asking them how they feel. And it's physically, mentally, emotionally, and, 
if any individual doesn't feel at at the peak of, in terms of their performance, we're really trying to create a safe environment where they feel completely comfortable auto-regulating how they exercise and even on the fire, even on the drill ground, how they how they get their reps so that they feel safe to to slow down or tone it down or protect themselves versus you know this whole peer pressure to to go bigger to go harder. So I think that's really important. I really appreciate how you've work that into what you're doing. And then, um, and then, yeah, uh, if, if the whole group is kind of got that, you know, that grimace face, uh, you know, we, we've really empowered, we have team leaders every week in the recruit Academy and we do program strategically deload weeks in their physical training, uh, throughout Academy, but we may pop that in anytime. Like we, we even, we've empowered the team leaders to say, Hey, uh, the, the group is feeling pretty, pretty beat up this week. We're gonna just, you know, drag and drop this whole deload week in, and and really emphasize recovery in a, in our PT. Absolutely, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, and as we talk about periodization, as we talk about programming, but tying in surveys and tying in assessments, what does observing the current status, right? I alluded to in the very beginning, we're pulling people off, uh, for, or pulling them in from from the general population. It is a subgroup from the general population. And some people will assume that just because you're in the fire academy means you have some sort of athletic experience or some sort of training experience or, uh, right, that this could not be the case. I've seen it both on the fire law enforcement side. Um, uh, whenever there's usually not a mandatory entrance level physical fitness test to even get in, when that's relatively open, you could have anyone and everyone uh, to a degree, don't get me wrong, right? Don't 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 hurt me for that quote right there. But you could pretty much open the door to all fitness levels into your program. So, what does testing and for your programming, right, for the academy, what does testing or at least assessments look like to figure out who is walking in your door? Yeah, and so you know, pretty much throughout the United States and and uh, other areas of the world, even. We use uh, the candidate physical ability test as part of the, the process. So all of our candidates have gone through a really basic uh, physical ability test that's been validated. And uh, But we do find that that doesn't necessarily automatically indicate with, with a high degree of certainty that they'll be successful in academy physically. And so what we do is we, uh, so the IFF, IFC Wellness Fitness Initiative, They've just recently updated their fitness assessment that they um, uh, are proponents of in the fire service, and and that's uh, mobility flexibility. They've got two of the, I believe, seven functional movement screens that that are part of that. In our department, we've got peer fitness trainers that are uh, certified FMS, and so we do the the full FMS for our recruits. And again, that's not necessarily, hey, you will get injured because of this or that, but it's just developing a sense of awareness. Hey, here's your score. So for one, that's a baseline and something that can be improved upon. And hey, this is just something to pay attention to. And then when we come back to our six point self-check, we talk about intentional training metrics. This is yet another piece of information for a recruit to have uh, in the back of their mind when they're moving to keep themselves safe. Uh, we do body comp, uh, our peer fitness trainers do skin fold and also in line with this particular assessment, a waist and hip circumference 
the aerobic capacity um, VO2 max, we use the Gherkin treadmill protocol. It's a sub-maximal assessment of aerobic capacity. We've implemented just recently the vertical jump as an evaluation of power. And then in terms of muscular strength and endurance, we uh, have a push-up, inverted row, and side plank. And then more specifically, looking at the push-to-pull ratio, just making sure that the athlete has balance uh, in, that, in that regard. And then the last... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you. Were, I thought that was your last one. Keep going. Uh, so, and and for us, that's just kind of a general fitness assessment. So, when we talk about just having information, we talk about baseline fitness. We've got, we know they've passed the CPAT, so they've got that as a bare minimum. We've got this general fitness assessment that does give us objective metrics for their baseline fitness. And then we do what we call a baseline workout. And it's our first opportunity to introduce them to some of these concepts concepts in terms of movement patterns, energy systems, training protocols, uh, and these training metrics that we were talking about. And that is uh, the training protocol we use is each minute on the minute. They have three levels of complexity for what we call a four point press, the lunge and the sit through. And it's basically a horizontal press movement pattern, lunge pattern, and then a rotation. And so we take them through the workout. We, we give them all these guidelines ahead of time. And then they do this, this self-assessment as we've talked about. And so at the end of it, we slash they have a list of, of objective scoring metrics that serve as a baseline for them. And then also these subjective metrics that that they're providing and between the CPAT, the general fitness assessment and the baseline workout, we have a lot of great information to share with the recruit and talk about first and foremost, injury prevention, and then also performance and then goal setting. We talk specifically with each recruit about goal setting in terms of progress in academy around their fitness. So uh, it's, we find that it's been a really great starting point and it, 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 is the foundation of our conversations with them throughout the entire academy. Yeah. So, and, and what I really liked is combining both, right. The CPAD as more as that job simulation uh, testing format, and then looking at fitness assessments and not just, uh, as you mentioned, it's not just body composition. That's all we're looking at. It's not just power. And that's all we're looking at, right. It's not just cardiovascular, uh, fitness and, and endurance and so forth. It's, picking apart these different components of fitness, these different attributes, because as we know, you're not only expected to uh, be able to perform very low intensity for a long period of time. Right. You don't only isolate being very powerful for a short period of time. And that's it, you know, job well done. You, you perform that for 10 seconds. That's it. That's the end of end of your call. That's the end of the emergency, right? You have to perform all these different and demonstrate these different energy systems, these different attributes. So it allows you to kind of fine tune and go, okay, maybe you're extremely powerful. Uh, let's say lower body power, you extremely high lower body power, but maybe not so much upper body or in a rotational manner and then with strength and with endurance and so forth. So you can kind of pick apart, this was your job sim results. And then you could even, if you time uh, the intervals between the tasks, like each task within the job sim has its own time frame, like task one, task two, and so forth. And then if you also have those fitness assessments side by side, and let's say one task was very lower body 
uh, focus, right? The uh, primary was lower body endurance. And then you have that fitness assessment that's also lower body endurance. And you can tie those together and go, hey, this is where we, this was your overall job sim time. But within fitness assessments, we saw you had great scores except your lower body endurance fitness assessment. Let's work. And then we can maybe do the fitness assessment again. And that will tell you uh, indirectly, you're going to improve in that task that's in the actual jobs and testing. And that's where we've talked a little bit back and forth of the assessments that correlate across, whether we know that specifically through validation or just from a movement pattern and energy system, we know both working lower extremity, it is both working the same energy system and the same movement pattern, right? So we can inadvertently be able to say, as we're improving these fitness assessments, we're going to see improvements within that job simulation test. So I, I like the aspects of one, you utilizing the CPAP, but taking it a step further and breaking that down into individual components. Yeah, absolutely. And then all of that, everything you just said about really helping the, the athlete, in this case, recruits to understand the, the assessment and, and really get buy-in. And, and you probably have sensed in your work with firefighters, buy-in is critical. If you can get buy-in from the individual firefighter or collectively, they will really invest uh, in, in the programming. So uh, that's a critical piece. And you can explain it in the way that you just summarized in the assessment, certainly, and you can also tie that into the programming. So when when they're asking you, hey man, why are we doing yoga three days a week in academy? It's like, well, because we're really trying to unload the occupational total training load, um, and, and we're not. The goal isn't to crush you; it's to to help you stay healthy through academy. So whatever that looks like for the group as a whole, or these conversations each week that you have with an individual based on this information you have from the very beginning. And once you have the baseline, you can really monitor their progress over time. You can make adjustments. You have these conversations where you make subtle changes and get feedback from them about their progress. It really uh, not only uh, empowers you as a coach or, or a trainer to support the athlete, but it empowers the athlete to take ownership of it for themselves as well. Yeah. And so tying in that, that education piece, which turns into value, which turns into buy-in. Um, and, and before we drift into talking about training or exercise selection and talking about program, I'll throw a quick curveball at you from a from an educational sense when you're working with cadets. And I know you hear this. I, I know it's taught worldwide where I ask a cadet, why do we work out? And the number one response is, well, because CVD and cardiac events are the, the leading cause of fatality, right? And that's a true statistic, but that's not why you should sit there and say, that's why we work out, right? That's not the overarching only reason we train or only we a reason we do flexibility and mobility. It's not the only reason we teach power. It's not the only reason we uh, teach endurance and strength and, and, and movement. So kind of I guess, talk about your experiences in educating why we train, why we program, why we perform certain movement patterns. Yeah. And this is something I, this is one of my favorite days in Academy. And we get to have these conversations with recruits from all walks of life, which is really exciting and, and really fun. And so uh, we get to ask questions like, why do you want to be a firefighter? And what is our job? And, and uh, there's, there's two phrases that we share with them, and then we ask them to, to tell us what it means to them. The first phrase is, and one of our captains says this frequently, 
frequently to our recruits and our firefighters. I don't know that he coined this. I think it came from somewhere else, but he, he is well known for saying it. And it is, I am here for we, and we are here for them. And it's a very simple phrase and it's even somewhat vague, but when you really unpack that, and when you hear the recruits, you know, kind of say back to you what it means to them personally, it's like, hey, I'm responsible for being a contributing member to my crew and to the department. And we are responsible for providing a high level of service to our community. And so if you can get the individual to really embrace that idea, it comes back to being much bigger than, you know, surviving a sudden cardiac event. You know, it, it, it really boils down to uh, this next phrase. And, and you and I talked about this. Self-care is the foundation of service. If you are not taking care of yourself and you are not putting your best foot forward every day you show up to work, you're not providing the best level of service. And so we in our in our wellness class and in our initial education, we look at three layers in, in talking about all of this. The first layer is survival. It is. So we do talk about cardiac and cancer and suicide and, and the top three killers and, and uh, things that are unfortunately really impacting firefighters. Uh, in our modern day. And then the next layer is injury prevention. And we really talk about if, you, if you're on the bench, you're not on the field. And if you're not on the field, you're not serving your community. And then the third piece, and this is where we really get to, to take ownership of it, is the performance side. And again, we people have different feelings about the phrase, you know, tactical athlete or fire service athlete. You, you can, you know, frame it however you want. But at the end of the day, we are performing certain tasks and we are providing services to our community in a, in a lot of different ways now more than ever and and we get the recruits to really take ownership of that from the beginning in terms of their self-care and that's everything from fitness nutrition sleep stress management all all of the behavioral health all of this stuff that we know is so critical to firefighter health and wellness and performance yeah and i and and i know we talked about this the other day but and pros and cons to pe how people spin the phrase but saying tactical athlete changes the perspective for whatever reason the moment we put the 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 title athlete on there we go oh we need to take care of this athlete we need to take care of ourselves we need to what do athletes do athletes prep train actually look at their sleep uh look at their nutrition they hydrate right so oh i'm an athlete now I need to prioritize these things. It's like, you've always been that. You've always needed to optimize your health and focus on yourself because that's how you can serve both the agency, but then also the community uh, when we talk about self-care. But just putting that that title on there, and, and you are, you are a tactical athlete. You, you're preparing, you're performing, you're training with purpose, with specificity going, okay, this is the job task. How do I break that down? And these are the movement patterns and so forth. So you, you are an athlete you're prepping for. Now you don't have, Hey, game season is it? you know, we're in game season and every Friday we play or every Saturday or whenever, you know, games are going to happen. It's whenever that call happens, that's game time, right? Every, every single time, whether you have one game a night, you have 10, you have 30 in the day, whatever your call load looks like for that day. That's how many you, you play in a tournament nonstop. So you're having to prepare for those. So from a, we'll drift to uh, training selection really quick, looking at training selection. What does program, what, I guess, what's the mentality? Because we can always branch off to another episode and talk specifically exercise selections and how to go about that. But what kind of ideology, what kind of thought process do you have when selecting 
uh, your exercises when writing out prescriptions? Yeah. And so I, I really do look at it in layers. So, you know, exercises are based on movement patterns. Workouts are based on exercises and periodized training plans are based on daily workouts. And so to unpack the exercise piece, looking at training exercises, and we really strive to, to cover all of the main movement patterns. So push, whether it's vertical or horizontal, pull, vertical, horizontal, the squat, the hinge, the lunge, rotation, anti-rotation, and then locomotion for us oftentimes is whether you're carrying something in a walking fashion or deploying hose, but the thing that's important for firefighters is ground engagement for our primary searches. So folks are in a, in a quadruped position, crawling low in smoke. So we try to build in some mat drills into our programming as well that, that not only addresses locomotion on our feet, but also on all four. So, so those are the training uh, movement patterns. And that's where we kind of start building our exercises from that. And then we also are really intentional about looking at, okay, if we're doing a, you know, a lunge, for example, coming back to that, how, what, what mobility drills support that? And what, what you know, dynamic movements prime for that on the front end as a warm-up before getting into the training aspect? And then on the flip side of that, if we're, if we're creating tension and stress in a, in a muscle group or in a line, how do we unload that with the with a, a yoga pose or an intentional stretch? So, in, in on our moderate and high intensity training days, we'll we'll pick a handful of movement patterns, training exercises. We make sure that the warm up is very intentional in priming the body to do those specific movements, and then the cool down is also intentional in unloading that so that they can kind of get rid of some of that tension right away. And then we build in separate full days that are dedicated to joint mobility on one day, just moving, getting the blood flowing, kind of a little self-check of, of where do you feel tight just as a, again, this awareness and first thing in the morning, being aware of how your body feels or a full yoga session where they're just really emphasizing on stretching and unloading and, and decompressing and recovering. Uh, so we, we, when again, exercises are based on uh, movement patterns, workouts might be moderate, high intensity, but more often than not, no intensity and low intensity in a recruit academy setting. And then we periodize those over a 24-week academy to really tie into and to optimize and to never compete with the occupational training load. Yeah. So two heavy hitting, at least, segments I, I pulled from that. One is categorizing movement, right? In the large uh, uh phrase when you were talking about exercise selection and how you go about choosing whether it's locomotion, pressing and so forth, you have categories of movement. And we'll talk a little bit more. I know this is going to, we're going to do an episode just on, on training in itself, just exercise selection and programming, but you have these categories you were able to choose from and you go, okay, I like how you said a horizontal press or a horizontal, uh, a vertical press, right? Or horizontal row, a vertical row. It's so as a practitioner, one, we implement this, but so personnel and cadets that can become incumbents know that you have to have that balance. Okay. There are certain ranges of motion. There are certain musculature that is incorporated into these certain movement patterns. And it's a checklist. Hey, I did a horizontal row. I'm doing a horizontal press. Did a vertical press. I'm doing a vertical row, right? You can kind of 
counter those? Did I do any lunging sequences? Did I do any hinges? Did I do any uh, drags or carries or when it categorized into locomotion, right? Like it allows you this checklist and you can balance out, you can have symmetry with your training. So we'll, we'll dive a little bit more. I know each one of these, each, each individual topic can just spiral into its own five hour at minimum discussion. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll hold off a little bit with that, but um, I'll, I'll end with this. I, I, I want you to tag in if you have for the uh, fire and rescue community, if you have advice aside from all the other uh, phrases and, and aspects of wisdom, one you've already shared and you continue to share, but uh, with this, is there any overarching concept you would like for uh, either cadets or instructors within academies? Because we kind of really heavy hit within the academy setting, providing training tools. But is there something for instructors out there to kind of focus on or maybe some kind of wisdom you could share across for them? Yeah, so there's a, there's a mindset that really resonates with me. And this would apply to coaches, to, to athletes. And this is certainly in the realm of fitness and wellness, but also in firefighting operations in general. One of my favorite fire service authors and presenters is Dave Dodson. He has a curriculum called The Art of Reading Smoke, which many of us have uh, participated in and incorporated into our own strategies and tactics out there in the field. And then he also wrote a book called Fire Department Incident Safety Officer, where he compares specifically arbitrary aggressiveness to intellectual aggressiveness. And he describes arbitrary aggressiveness, you know, uh, action without a plan. And to me, that's just, hey, you're going to go kick in the front door, you know, beat, beating the chest a little bit, not necessarily doing a size up, you know, running in there to slay the dragon. That's a little bit on the side of being arbitrary versus, hey, doing a 360, reading the smoke, uh, not only looking at where the fire is, but where it's going, you're really taking an intellectual approach to creating uh, an incident action plan that, for one, supports mitigating the emergency, but also supports uh, safety of our crews. In my mind, that sentiment, that philosophy also applies to fitness. There's an arbitrary approach to physical fitness and an intentional approach to physical fitness. For me, even in a recruit academy, you see, and I've seen, a more arbitrary approach to physical fitness where you're just running miles and miles and miles without any you know, tangible goal or, or outcome as a result of that, or you're using high intensity training all throughout the academy to kick ass, but with, with no, again, real progression in mind versus a more intentional approach coming back to everything we've just said, not only being intentional about how as a coach, you're uh, selecting exercises, creating workouts, building programs, being intentional every step of the way about that and being willing to be flexible as needed to maybe add more recovery or make adjustments as the coach. And on the flip side, also as the athlete, as the recruit or the firefighter, being intentional about your self-care, being intentional about developing awareness around your baseline fitness level, any limitations you might have, where you are with your sleep and your nutrition, your recovery, all of that, being mindful, being intentional. And every every day in Academy, as, as you said, waking up and striving to have that big smile on your face and really avoiding that grimace face that can happen if you're not careful about how you approach things. So, so I am all about an intentional approach 
to physical fitness and health and wellness. And uh, that would be my one piece of advice for any firefighter, especially young firefighters coming in, is pay attention to all of that.